You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Hello, Colts fans, and welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. My name is Joe Hopkins. With me is Mike Chappell. And today we're going to preview the Colts' upcoming game against the Houston Texans as they try and put the Baltimore Monday night debacle behind them. We'll preview the matchup by discussing injuries, and there's quite a bit to talk about, uh, as has been the case many weeks this season with Indianapolis, unfortunately. We'll break down keys to the game, and we'll make predictions. But before we get into all of that, Mike, how are you doing today? Pretty good. Hey, how you doing? At least, you know, I always say I'm above ground, so every day you're above ground's a good day. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I've I've done my my grieving for the Colts' loss on Monday night. That was a tough one to swallow, but you know, the, this upcoming schedule is looking pretty favorable, and uh, the offense, kicking aside the offense, has me optimistic. So I, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go into next week. Um, before we start breaking down this game, let's talk about a bit of news. The Colts have signed a kicker in case Blankenship's hip can't heal to the point that they're comfortable with him playing on Sunday, or maybe they'll just act have both active in case uh, it flares up again during the game. We'll have to see about that. But the Colts signed Michael Bagley from the uh, most recently from the Chargers. He kicked for a few years with the Chargers. He's currently on the practice squad uh, as there's still hope that Blankenship will be ready to go. Uh, Bagley originally was signed as an undrafted free agent by the Colts back in 2018 when the team still had Vinatieri. His career uh, kicking percentage is about 78%, uh, so it would be a drop-off. Blankenship last year, a very good rookie season, kicked at about 86%. Um, Blankenship was a non-participant in walkthroughs on Wednesday for whatever that's worth. Mike, what does this signing tell you about the Colts' confidence that Blankenship will be able to play on Sunday? <laughs> Probably not not a lot as far as confidence. I mean, it tells us that I think they're preparing for at least a game or two without Blankenship. Uh, the one thing that helps with, with the new rules is they signed Badgley to the uh, practice squad, not the active roster, so they didn't have to make a roster move. The way it works now, you, you can elevate two practice squad players on game day, so that's probably what what happens, and I'm guessing they inactivate Blankenship for the game. One thing with Bagley, again, he, he last played for Tennessee. He was with Tennessee one game this year. Uh, missed a field goal. Uh, I think he was one for two on PATs. But, but again, he's, he's, he's kicked. He's kicked in high-pressure situations, so uh, it, it, it's a good insurance policy to have. The problem, the, the issue is going to be is that one game, two games, to this point they've not put – hot rod on IR so they're hoping it's it is short term but it, it's funny how we always talk about having depth at positions this is one position that very few teams have depth at because you just don't carry two kickers well there's not even 32 good kickers to have that depth correct correct so, but but some teams starting with last year and the Colts did uh they carried a kicker on the uh, practice squad uh, I think it was uh Matt Gay, I believe it was, at times last year. In it, it, it one little side note that people have been asking, and I was asking, is with, with Blankenship's situation, why not Eddie Pinheiro? He yeah, had, he, he I had was the, curious he, to that. He had the uh, competition during training camp that Blankenship won. I was told that uh, uh, that Pinheiro had some type of surgery 
and he's not quite back yet, so that's why he's not getting any push on teams that need kickers. So they'll go forward, go forward with, with the money badger, uh, and hopefully he, he'll do what he needs to do. And again, we talked about on Tuesday that I realized the hip injury was an issue, but boy, if they just make one kick, one more kick in Baltimore, things are, are so much different heading into the Houston game, but you, you go with what you've got and they'll go forward probably for a game or two with Bagley. And I have to believe a, a healthy Blankenship makes that one more kick. I mean, he's been pretty solid for the Colts throughout his tenure. As long as you're not asking him to kick a 50-yarder, 50 or two above seems to be his weakness. But other than that, he's been pretty solid all in all. So I got to give him the benefit of the doubt to my boy Hot Rod on that one. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, expect Bagley to be playing for the Colts this Sunday unless Blankenship's hip uh, has a great comeback later in the week. Uh, moving on to some more injury news here. T.Y. Hilton designated to return Wednesday from IR. Uh, he did go through the team's walkthrough on Wednesday. This is his comeback from neck surgery that he underwent in September to repair a disc. Frank Reich says that the team will determine Hilton's status as the week goes on. So not 100% that he'll suit up against Houston, uh, his his beloved Houston Texans, yet this week. But, Mike, you spoke to T.Y. earlier today, and he kind of elaborated on how difficult the recovery process actually was. Yeah, we talked to him uh, before practice, and and he was really very, very open about things. And he said after the surgery, for a day or two, he, he thought about, you know, that he was done. That his career was over. You know, you're dealing you're dealing with the neck, like you said. You've only got one neck. He's got a family to worry about. But then he he talked through it with his family and his his friends. And he he had a couple of meetings with Andrew Luck uh, oh, to no. talk to talk. And he sort of, he said he he said that probably wasn't the best thing to do. But but it was more or less just you've been there, you've done this, and, and what do you do? And you know he didn't go into great depth on it, but. He just said that Luck was very supportive and just told him to be patient. Make sure you're all the way back and and be sure about what you're doing. So, you know, yeah, the first reaction is that. This is a guy that retired two weeks before the season started in 2019. But but this wasn't Luck saying, hey, listen, man, do what I did and, and get out of there. <laughs> it's great on the other side. Come, come, right, come, come on over. Come on <laughs> over. But, uh, yeah, and, and, you know, maybe, maybe, I tell you, maybe – at some part, Luck said, you know, maybe maybe at some level Luck misses it. And and he said, so listen, you know, once you're done, you're done. So so be really, really sure of what you're doing. But but we'll the bottom line thought, is he, but... he did he did really lean on friends, family, and luck and came to the term, determination that he he's feeling good. He 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 was assured there's no risk of, of further injury on, on with this issue. And he said it was that C6, C6 disc that was pinching on a nerve, and he said he lost sensation on the left side of his body. If you remember, uh, the way this worked, he, he came into training camp with, with a little thing, with, with this sort of an issue. It got better. He thought he was past it. And the last training camp practice on a Wednesday, that August, whatever it was, twenty. Fifth, I think it was, landed really awkwardly in the end zone. I mean, really came down hard and stayed down, which T.Y. seldom does. 
So we thought there was something. Well, he gets up, goes to the sideline, and he comes back in and finishes practice. So we think nothing of it, really. And then uh, Friday, that they go to the preseason game in Detroit. He's even on a sideline interview with uh, uh, with the Colts, and you think nothing's going on. And then it comes out that this thing really flared up on the fl- on the flight home. And shortly thereafter, uh, that's when T.Y. said he couldn't sleep. He just couldn't get comfortable in the sensation, and his left side was really an issue. And they get to surgery, and, and he's been on the rehab ever since. And I I was I was very very confident he was going to play Sunday. I just was from what we were told, what we were how we heard people talk yesterday uh, about you know him being there in the walkthrough, and they're not going to waste walkthrough reps for a player who's not ready to play. I still think he's going to play, but Ty said it's it's you know I'm still getting my strength back and my legs under me and this that and the other and it'll be a, the doctors will have to give him the okay kind of like what uh, Carson Wentz told us after the the ankle sprains as well I, I want to play but this is on the docks and he played I think he plays I think that the Colts can 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 I I guess keep him on a pitch count to where he can be effective whatever that pitch count is. Yet, yet let him let him not overdo it in place. I think he plays, uh, but we'll see. And, and and like like he said, whenever 13's out there, we're better. And that's not brag; it's fact. So it it, it will be a big. It's already a boost having him back at practice, but having him on the field with an offense that was what 513 yards against a pretty good Ravens defense, it it'll be a plus. Uh, so we'll just see how this week plays out. Maybe Frank Reich tells us for sure tomorrow, but this this may be a, a Saturday decision as far as that because he's got to be activated. He's still on IR. I think he plays, but uh, we'll see how this plays out. Yeah, if Dave Griffiths was here, he would remind us all that the Colts are now two and fourteen in games without T.Y. Hilton since he was drafted in twenty twelve. If Hilton does play, he'll get to add to an impressive stat line against the Houston Texans in eighteen regular seeding regular season meetings with the Texans, T.Y. Hilton has 97 catches for over 1,700 yards and 11 touchdowns. That is pretty darn good there. We'll see if he can clown Houston again this Sunday. Uh, Mike, what do you think Hilton's impact would be? You spoke with Carson, who thinks he can have an immediate impact with the team. Um, I guess it's hard to know without knowing exactly what his conditioning is, I'm not sure how much you can run around or whatnot after a neck surgery, but what's your feel about T.Y.'s readiness to make an impact right away? I just think physically that the fact that it was a neck, this isn't this wasn't a high ankle sprain to where you stay off of it and you really can't push things on your on your cardio and all that. I think with his neck injury that he's been able to pretty much keep himself in shape uh, I'm sure getting the strength back was and maybe still is an issue. But I think being the fact that he's a receiver and he, he's been able to, for the better part of a month, get out there and, and just kind of do things football-wise, running and cutting and doing wide receiver stuff, I think he can have a pretty quick impact. And if I'm Houston and, and, and he's out there, you have to figure he's 100%. You just have to. And like T.Y. told us today is if I'm out there, I, I, I can – you know, maybe bring that safety out of the middle of the field and they have to be more attentive to me, which opens up things elsewhere. So I just think his presence being out there, you've got to pay attention. But on top of that, 
he's, he's, he can still make plays. I think he's still a player, even, what is he, 30-31, that, that can still do things. And I think in, anytime you've got T.Y. out there, it's going to help Michael Pittman, and, and it's going to help the running game. It's going to help Carson Wentz. They, they were looking pretty good in uh, in camp, you know, when they were out there throwing things around early. So I, I think this will be a big plus. And I think if he plays, I think he will have a, a, an impact uh, however limited he might be as far as snaps. Yeah, he'll, he'll help Michael Pittman Jr. and the rest of that offense. I think Pittman Jr.'s emergence will kind of help T.Y.'s um, as he comes back and gets reintegrated with this team and catches up with Carson Wentz because the Colts don't have to ask T.Y. to carry the passing game and be that go-to number one guy right away. He can kind of play in spurts. He can... He can, you know, they don't have to lean on him for 10 targets a game if if he's not quite up to that yet. And at his, you know, age 31, last year of the contract, that's probably ideally how it would be anyway. Uh, lean more on Pittman Jr. or at least to be that up 50-50 there. So that's great to see the Colts get another weapon. Looking through the rest of this injury report here, uh, Darius Leonard did not participate in walkthroughs on Wednesday with an ankle and now a shoulder listed as well. Xavier Rhodes had the concussion on Monday night. He did not participate in walkthroughs, although it looked like on Twitter he did have some kind of participation on Thursday. We'll have to check in on that. Uh, Rocky Sin did not participate in walkthroughs Wednesday, still recovering from the ankle injury. Andrew Sandejo did not participate. Wednesday with concussion. Braden Smith is still on the mend with his foot injury. And the Colts listed Jordan Wilkins uh, out with a non-football illness. I'm not exactly sure what a non-football illness means. Uh, Maybe it's a cross between a non-COVID illness and a non-football injury, and it was just kind of a typo there. Uh, But Wilkins, who missed Monday's game, did not practice Wednesday. But could he pay? was limited on Wednesday. Um, Mike, you spoke with Quiddy Pay today, and he seemed pretty optimistic. He said, I'll be there. So I'll take him at his word. I, I, I've always learned through the years not to trust when a player says things like that. But the fact that he went through walkthrough yesterday, and I'm anticipating he he was at least limited today, I, I think he's back. He said he was close last week against Baltimore, but the hamstring wasn't quite there yet. And if I tell you, that's one of those, if, if you come back too quickly – it goes from one or two games to four or five games. So they want to be very, very careful with it. And I'm telling you, of all the injuries they've got, he's the guy they need back. The, the pass rush is, is just hasn't been there. Uh, they banked on young players by not bringing back Justin Houston and Danico Autry. And to, to, to this point, it's not gotten done. Quiddy Pace played pretty well all around, still hasn't got that first sack yet. And we'll probably get into it, but this is a game where Houston will, will be without both starting tackles. So if you can't get a pass rush, an outside pass rush against Houston, then when will you? So it, it's uh, that, that's why I say no, nobody cares about the Colts injuries. You know, Houston's got their own issues. But as much as we, we harped on, and rightfully so, how poor the back end of pass coverage was, against the Ravens with a lot of backups, they did not get any help from the front. And DeForest Buckner told us that yesterday, that we didn't do enough. And they've got to, they have got to get more 
from the defensive line and linebackers whenever they blitz because you just can't – even if you've got a really quality secondary, a lack of a pass rush stretches everybody. And then when you've got backups playing and, and second stringers playing in the secondary with no pass rush, you have little hope. I don't care who the quarterback is. Yeah, you mentioned those uh, Texans tackles. Laramie Tunsil and Marcus Cannon have both been ruled out for this game. So Charlie Heck and Garon Christian will take their place on Sunday. Looking at the rest of the Texans injury report, starting center Justin Britt did not participate on Wednesday with a knee injury. We'll have to keep an eye on that. The Texans could be without three starters on their offensive line. Starting to sound like the Colts there with that. Uh, and then Pharaoh Cooper, I'm, I'm sorry, Pharaoh Brown, tied in for the Texans, did not participate Wednesday with a shoulder. A couple guys were limited for the Texans. Dan, Danny Amendola and Rex Burkhead uh, with a thigh and hip injury. And then linebacker Camus Gruger-Hill with a hip as well. So follow us on, on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone throughout the week. And we will continue to update you on injuries and any kind of news and notes that pertains to the Indianapolis Colts. All right, let's get to the game. The 1-4 Colts host the 1-4 Texans. It's the Colts' first home game in about a month, so Lucas Oil, I'm sure, will be rocking and ready for a win. Houston's only win this season came in Week 1 against the winless Jacksonville Jaguars. Since then, the Texans lost 31-21 to the Cleveland Browns. They lost 24-9 to the Carolina Panthers in their first full game without uh, starting quarterback Tyrod Taylor. Then they were stomped by Buffalo 40 to nothing. Rookie quarterback Davis Mills threw four interceptions in that game, was 11 of 21 passing for just 87 yards. But then just last week he comes back and the Texans lose a close one to the New England Patriots. Davis Mills topped 300 passing yards, had three touchdown passes, zero interceptions, so a real bounce-back game from Mills, who shows that he can be productive in the NFL um, with that performance there. Houston ranks in the bottom 10 in nearly every statistical category, including, but not limited to, passing yards, rushing yards, where they average a league-worst 3.1 yards per carry, uh, bottom 10 as well in points scored, points allowed, yards allowed, and sacks. Uh, now, I will mention that the Colts only have two more sacks than Houston does, so that pass rush for Indianapolis will need to step up. But this Houston Texans team, certainly one of the bottom in the league. Their main threat on offense is really Brandon Cooks. He leads the team with 44 targets. The next uh, highest targeted player is David Johnson with 16. So a huge gap between Brandon Cooks and the rest of the playmakers on this Texans team. I already mentioned how much they've struggled running the ball, so I won't even mention Mark Ingram's stats. Ingram, the lead ball carrier for the Texans there. So as long as they can keep Brandon Cooks in check and get to Davis Mills, not let him be comfortable out there, I think the Colts defense might be able to have a back bounce-back game in this one. Mike, I, I mean, I'm not sure how many Texans games you've watched this year. But they might just be as bad as everyone thought they were coming into the season. Well, and you know, and I realize Jacksonville and what Detroit are winless, 
But at least Jacksonville, if you get past the Urban Meyer issue, they've got they've got that that cornerstone to build on with with Trevor Lawrence quarterback. I mean, when you have that guy, even you know, I go back to when the Colts had Peyton Manning in 1998 and they're three and 13. You knew, you knew that there were better times ahead, much better times ahead. I don't know what you look at at Houston. I I, I just don't. You know, you you still got. Oh, by the way, one year fifty three on the active roster is Deshaun Watson, and, and you don't know what you're doing with him. You hope you're going to trade him, I assume. But how does anyone trade for him with all the off field hanging over his head? So I, if you're bad, it's okay to be bad if you've got the foundation in place to get out of the hole. I just don't see you know like with the Jets, they've got the quarterback. You think. But with Houston, I don't know where you say, yeah, they're one and four. But, but we've got what you've got. You've got a roster of. Didn't they have like twenty or thirty off-season acquisitions through trades and free agent signings and all that? Yeah, they grabbed just about anyone who would play for them. But right, and but they were all they were all like bottom third of the roster guys. They weren't they weren't foundation players by any means. So. You know, I it, it's just hard to see how they get out of this. And after we've talked like this, you know, it, the, the Colts have simply got to take advantage of Sunday, and they have got to take advantage of this next five games, which coincides with five very tough games by Tennessee. So in five weeks, I I won't be the least bit surprised if if the Colts have, like, either a share of the lead or a game up on Tennessee in the division. It's there for them. Now, you can't keep hoping that Tennessee loses. You know, they've got, what is it, Buffalo, Kansas City, Colts, Rams, Saints, I believe it is. Yep. Which is tough, but I think three or four of those are at home. Three of them might be home, if not four. So, so you three, I think three's at home. But but that's all predicated on the Colts taking care of business. And if, if you can't come out of this five-game stretch at least four and one, then the season can't be what you need it to be. But the schedule does does provide you the opportunity. They are going to get healthy with, again, getting Quiddy payback. I would think Braden Smith, certainly not this week, maybe next week. Uh, Xavier Rhodes will see concussions on a short week or difficult. It, it's hard to get through the protocol. I'm not saying he can't, but it's hard. It's harder to. Uh Kari Willis, they need to get him back healthy. He wasn't healthy. He was limited snaps in Baltimore. But at least the Colts appear to be, you know, T.Y. We talk about T.Y. So, you know, it's encouraging, but it's only encouraging if you if you take advantage of it and that starts Sunday against a very, very inferior opponent. When's the last time a team that was 1-4 was a 10-point favorite? So it's it, it take advantage of what's in front of you. Yeah, on um, you know, by record alone, these teams are equal. Both are one and four. I think anyone would tell you the Colts are the much, much, much more talented team despite their injuries. And this is really shaping up here between the Colts schedule, the Titans schedule, the Colts assumed uh, uh, increased health as the season goes along. I mean, you mentioned Braden Smith. Hopefully Indianapolis will get him back uh, and that foot will finally heal. In theory, the Colts are one week closer to getting Quentin Nelson back on the field. In theory, uh, with each passing week, Eric Fisher shakes off more and more rust. They're going to need that. His pass protection 
has been, uh, we'll just say spotty at times. Um, in theory, and I know I keep saying in theory because nothing is guaranteed, especially with injuries and especially how this cult season has gone so far. But a win against Houston can really uh, uh, pr- propel them going forward into a season that might not be lost yet. I know Jim Mersey went to Twitter um, after the loss to Baltimore, kind of encouraging Colts fans. I promise within the next 10 years we'll have two Super Bowls and greatness awaits. That's all fine and dandy, but the Colts are going to have to get it done on the field to live up to their owners' expectations. Let's go ahead and move on here to some keys to the game. My first key to the game is run the ball, feed Jonathan Taylor, and keep that run game going. Over the past two weeks, Taylor has 283 yards from scrimmage, so rushing and receiving combined, three touchdowns. He has been balling out despite, I'm not going to say a limited workload, but he, he both of the past two weeks he had 19 touches. Um, so it's not like they're just jamming it down his throat like uh, they do in Tennessee with their running back. Uh, Jonathan Taylor has definitely made the most of his opportunities. And I, I would even argue feed him more. Give him 25 carries a game He's when he's that good with it. Houston has allowed the seventh most rushing yards in the NFL at 134 per game. Their 4.4 yards per carried allowed is the 10th highest in the NFL. And they've allowed nine rushing touchdowns, which is tied for the most this season. So, Mike, if the Colts can't run against this team, and I'm confident they will based on how they've run the past few weeks here, but if they can't do it against this team, they really need to look themselves in the mirror. Yeah, the thing on Jonathan Taylor, they're going to beat me down and and, and get me to change my opinion. I, I'm with you. Getting the ball 18 times minimum. Frank Reich has said and told me that, you know, the, the goal is 20, 20 rushes a game and then probably three or four passes. He's had – he's averaging 14 and a half carries a game with a high, I think, of 17. And uh, they're starting to get me to believe that, that maybe that's what it's going to be because it's clear they're, they're, they're intent on getting Marlon Mack and Naheem and Hines involved. And when you do that, when you get three guys that you're trying to get the ball, it's going to be really hard for one guy to get that 20 carries unless you're running the ball 40 times a game, which maybe this is the game you can do that. Uh, I know there's a line of thought that maybe they're showcasing Marlon Mack I, I, I don't think they're that they, they would do that. I think they're using him because they think he's a valuable component. The problem is when you give him those carries, it's taking away from either Taylor or Hines, who in my mind are, are bigger playmakers. And that's not to, to, to diminish Marlon Mack because he, he's really – he had a couple of his biggest carries, best carries in Baltimore. So it's just they've, – they've kind of – Convince me this is going to be a three-pronged attack, and part of that is, and, and it's working. It, it's they're running the ball better and better each week, which was the case last year. Remember, they started off kind of, kind of slow with Mark, with uh, the Mac injury, and then Jonathan Taylor sort of finding his way until mid-season. So I think this is what we're going to see. And one one of the pluses, if this season can get turned around and they get back into it, is you will have a fresher Jonathan Taylor in November, December, which which is fine. 
It's just that fantasy people are going to have to accept the fact that he may not be getting his 1,400 yards this year. But uh, the one thing that's funny, one thing that Carson Wentz pointed out is when you've got a Jonathan Taylor in the backfield, the quarterback can throw like it was about an 8- or 10-yard swing pass, screen pass, and in the, in the books it's a 76-yard touchdown. And that's what playmakers do for you. And I, I like the way this running game's going, and they're gonna. I'm just gonna have to accept the fact that it's while, while Taylor is still the feature, he's not gonna be the the workhorse like say a Derrick Henry is by any stretch. By any stretch, and you know that's a good point you make about Mac. He ran really well against Baltimore. He actually had the longest carry of the game. In fact, uh, Naheem Hines has kind of disappeared the last couple of weeks. I know they've been been getting Mac more involved there, but it'd be nice to see a, a Naheem Hines game p- crop up here because he's also an explosive playmaker for this offense. They, they ask so much of Naheem Hines, and the biggest thing they ask of Naheem Hines is be patient. Wait your turn. Uh, and he's had a couple of games where he, he was the guy. He, I mean, he, he's made play after play. And in one game he had four touches. Was it uh, – Maybe Miami, he had two carries yeah. and two receptions. And that's got to be frustrating for a player. You know, all of these players at some level need to be selfish. I mean, you just – because you, you think and you believe you can do more and help the team do more. But with a player like Hines, it's – again, when you've got Taylor and it's – again, I don't believe they're showcasing Mac. I, I just don't. Uh, so it's that 1-1 one, one, attack that we that they promised last year and we're sort of seeing it now so that's that forces Naheem Hines to sort of bide your time and maybe be more of a contributor on punt returns but we've seen what happens when he gets six eight ten touches a game he's he's like Taylor if you get that many touches he's going to make a play he's, he's a tough runner between the tackles and he's really really good when you get him on the edge or in space we said early in, in preseason and training camp that how, how will they will they be better at being creative with Naheem Hines? To this point, the answer is they haven't been, but they still have a long way to go, and that that's the that's the the biggest issue. I won't say a problem. I'll say issue is how do you get all three guys enough touches when Jonathan Taylor most certainly has to get the bulk of them. Yeah, it seems like each week somebody's going to be the odd man out, and it's certainly not going to be Taylor. It's not going to be Taylor, correct. Uh, so we'll see. Maybe they'll get a little more creative with Hines as the season goes along and Carson Wentz gets more comfortable in the offense. I remember last year, towards the end of the season, they started lining Hines up more as a wide receiver, particularly the Packers game where he gets a key first down on a slant route. Uh, he did a lot of work as a receiver in the Buffalo game as well, so maybe they'll start using him as a pass catcher more uh, as Wentz kind of gets more familiar with this offense, his personnel, and the little wrinkles throughout. Second key to the game here, get to Houston's quarterback. This needs to be a get-right game for Indianapolis's pass rush. It's a pass rush that is last in the NFL in QB pressures. Last. That, that's unacceptable. Mills has been sacked at least three times in every game that he started, which is three for those counting. Houston is now without their top two tackles. As we mentioned, 
Mike, they cannot allow Davis Mills to sit back there and feel comfortable in the pocket. He showed last week that he's capable of having a big game. Yeah, I think this is one where initially we're going to see Houston go with its go with its weakness against the Colts' strength. I think they come out and try to establish some kind of a run just just to not expose Mills too much. But the one thing that, that, that's been there so far for the Colts' defense, and there's a lot that's not been there, the run defense has been pretty good. It really has. Uh, I think they're top 10 or 11, maybe you've got – they're, they're top 10 or 11 in yards per game allowed, fewest yards. And there have been like two or three plays that have gotten out on them. Chris Carson, Seattle got that 33-yarder it was, and, and Tannehill hurt them. Beyond that, they've played pretty well. Let's not keep, let's not forget the fact that, and it's not a little thing, that they snapped Baltimore's streak of 43 straight games with 100 yards, and we know how important that was to Baltimore. So I think Houston's going to try to try to run the ball. You can't let them, and then you just make them rely on their quarterback. And if they come out of this game with like two sacks and four pressures, then then shame on the Colts because if you can't pressure. Now you you got your rookie back. They're without their tackles. DeForest Buckner is ready to go off. He he, he kind of told us that the other day. So if you can't pressure get pressure in this kind in this game against this opponent, then then when can can we expect it? And again, you said they get the fewest pressures in the league. I think it's twenty one. Uh, it's just it's just you can't you can't play defense in today's NFL. If you can't pressure the quarterback, I, you know, they, they, they how many times did, did Lamar Jackson, as mobile as he is, stand back there in that second and third quarter in overtime, and just pat the ball and pat the ball and look, and you're asking again, you're asking quality corners too much, and then when you've got, at your best, this is you know, we can question how good these corners are, but when you're playing backups like they're having to. It's asking too much. It starts up front. I don't care what they're doing in the back end. They've got to get pressure. Again, if not now, when? Yeah, you mentioned the Colts' run defense. They're currently 14th in the NFL uh, in yards, and they are 11th in uh, yards per carry average with a pretty solid 4.0 number there. But in each of those stats, there's like a cluster of teams. So it's another good game, and they'll probably jump into the – top 10 and they've the run defense has certainly been better lately and a lot of these numbers are also skewed and I get this is part of playing defense by quarterback runs I mean, remember Ryan Tannehill tore them up a few weeks ago uh, obviously Lamar Jackson did his thing out there even though they kept him contained for three quarters uh, so yeah the Colts run defense looking a lot better uh, Houston's rushing attack really isn't much to write home about anyway we mentioned it's one of the worst in the league so they got to get after Davis Mills, who's a solid athlete, but he's certainly not a uh, known for being a scrambler or a rusher. So sh- they should not have any problems bringing him down. My last key to the game here, finish, finish, finish. This means finish scoring drives in the end zone. When you do have to kick the ball, finish the kick through the uprights. And for the love of God, finish the fourth quarter. The Colts have been outscored 41-16 to in the fourth quarter over the past three weeks. That is just pathetic. I remember Miami's offense all of a sudden came alive and got the two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. We know what happened Monday night. 
Um, so, Mike, the Colts have got to play, find a way to keep their foot on the gas for all 60 minutes. Yeah, and they're playing a Houston team that's been outscored 55-13 to 13 in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, it, it's again, we go back to uh, the Baltimore game. I'm still sitting here wondering how in the heck they lost the game. I mean, it just boggles the mind. But, you know, offensively, do a little more. I, I have a really hard time coming down the offense because they put up 513 yards for crying out loud, and Carson Wentz throws for 403 or whatever it was. But defensively, make a play, a play, two plays. You make one or two plays in the second half, and, and you probably win, even with your kicker the way he was. So uh, I, I the, the talk that we had early on in, in training camp in preseason about elite defenses and four, 40 takeaways and all that stuff, just get back to playing solid football. Don't let Miami come back on you when the game was in hand. You know, close the game. You're up 22-3. to three. You know, the stat was crazy is they were 120-0 and 0 with a 16-point lead in the fourth quarter as the Indianapolis Colts. So when you've got, when you've got a chance, put your, put your foot on Houston's neck and don't let them get back in it. Remember they had new England all but beaten last week and they couldn't close the game. So good teams find a way, bad teams don't, which are you this week? Yeah. And you know, a lot of this speaks and comes back to the pass rush. If you can't, get pressure on the quarterback, and they're in comeback mode. They're just going to go right down the field on, you know, when they throw out the running game, which the Colts are pretty good against, and they just have to go hurry up. Uh, they've been able to – quarterbacks have been able to sit back there and pick this Colts defense apart. That's something that's going to have to change this week because as we'll get to in predictions here, I think the Colts will have a lead going into the fourth quarter. They're just going to have to protect it, which is something they weren't able to do on Monday. Predictions. FanDuel has the Colts as a 10-point favorite at home against the Texans. Over-under set at 43.5, so not the highest scoring game. Uh, We'll start with Dave Griffiths, who obviously isn't here, but sent in his prediction. He's taken the Colts 31-20 to over the Houston Texans. So he thinks that Colts offense is going to top 30 there, have a nice game in the defense. I mean, if you hold a team to 20 points, you've in my opinion, done your job on defense. So that, that those are Dave's thoughts. Mike, where are you going with this? I'm going 31-13. Uh, I, 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 and again, maybe I'm way overplaying the Colts and underplaying Houston. I don't think I'm underplaying Houston. I think they're that bad. And I think the 31-13 is going to reflect the defense either scoring a touchdown or setting up a touchdown. I, I think they're going to get a couple of takeaways, and I do think the pass rush will be there. I think it. I think this is a team, a, a game that the Colts, for a lot of reasons, need to come out and just say, not today. Not in our house, not today. And so many times when you let a, an inferior team hang around and hang around in the fourth quarter, all it takes is for a deflected pass, a crazy bounce, and then you're beat. So I think this is one, I think they need to make a statement that, it's funny, we talked to T.Y., he said, I don't see a bad football team. Well, we'll see. This is a this is a day to where you, you, you tell all of us critics that, see, we're not that bad. So I say 31-13. 
I'm going to take the Colts as well. I don't think uh, the margin will be that wide. It is a division game. Uh, division, you know, the, those division teams always seem to get up for each other. I remember the Jaguars um, gave the Texans, uh, or I mean Titans, a little bit of trouble last week before the Titans ended up pulling away. So I'm going to go 27-17 to 17, Indianapolis. Still a double-digit win, um, but not quite the blowout that a lot of Colts fans will be hoping for in this one. We'll have to see what happens. Um, Mike, T.Y. Hilton. Over under 100 yards. Over under 100 yards. Under. Under? 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 Well, first I'll take you under because there's a chance he's not going to play. So, (laughs) (laughs) But I've got a friendly bet in the press room for five bucks. I guess I I don't know if you put money on it. It's friendly or not. That he Five plays, bucks is friendly level money. That, that he plays. A couple of us have, yes, he plays. A couple of guys don't think he will. I think he does because I think that, that you can, you can, like I said earlier, you can, you can manage his exposure, his snaps. And T.Y., does, he rarely gets blown up on plays. I mean, he, he's very good at avoiding the big hits. Learn from Reggie and uh, who learned from Marvin on how to do that. The turf, the turf is a good place to be sometimes. <laughs> so yeah, I, I take under, but I do think he's he's. Th- this is a four catch, sixty yard game, uh, and, and if he plays, if I'm the Colts, I don't announce the offense and and trot him out there with the offense and the starting unit. They're missing a great opportunity. All right, well that'll do it for us today in the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Please download and subscribe for us. And you can follow Mike on Twitter at mchapel51. Follow me on Twitter at Roto Street Joe. And follow the Colts Blue Zone on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone, where we will keep you informed and entertained on all things Colts. We will be back on Monday to break down what will hopefully be a glorious Indianapolis Colts victory. Until then... Take it easy, Colts fans.